But so do you do you teach absolute truth? There is no such thing as absolute truth. That in itself is an absolute truth. So <laughs> is it not? They, that, there are different you're, people's You're teaching humanism. And you're, you're teaching that man is a measure of, of all things. And it's not. There is absolute truth. You're teaching the religion of humanism. Relativism, yeah. moral relativism is your religion. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we are creating movies about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. So as promised yesterday, we are bringing you part two of this panel discussion that happened just last week. Mm -hmm. And you had thoughts? I do. Okay. I have thoughts because what you're going to hear today is someone from the audience who is a teacher who has dumb questions. And um, I just I just want to ask. Well, they're only dumb if you don't ask, right? <laughs> no, there's no. These are dumb questions. <laughs> okay. These are dumb questions. And I, I just I, I am trying to figure out. People on the conservative Christian side, we talked about this yesterday. Why do you give so much credit to the left? Mm -hmm. Why do you refer to them as really smart, really brilliant? They're not. I Men, listen to me. Look at me. Listen to me. Men, why are you afraid of these people? Mm. Men, we're talking about people who don't even know which bathroom to use. Mm Mm-hmm. Do they have guns? No, they're afraid of guns. If you point your finger at them and use the wrong words, they curl up into a fetal position. Stop giving these people so much leeway. There's nothing to be afraid of. What do we? A couple episodes ago, we were talking about these people in Nebraska. Their their threat, their threat to the event of screening of the mind polluters is to show up dressed as clowns. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Why are you afraid of these people? There is nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. They're clowns. They they don't know right from wrong. They're lost clowns. Share the gospel with them. Stand up to them. Don't back down. Yeah. Go ahead. With that, we'll let you listen to part two. I'm not aware of any law that that requires you to use pronouns or protects you. From using pronouns, I think we're, we're we're caught in this vortex of political correctness and the creep show. How this stuff creeps into being. Um, what's the right thing to do under the circumstance? And 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 that can be very very difficult. And I can I can give you I can share with you how this works. When I was Attorney General, uh, we found out that the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, which is not an elected official, it's an agency, but the Bureau of Motor Vehicles had decided to uh, add. A designation of X on the driver's license for non-binary. Most of you have either, I would say probably all of you have a male or a female on your driver's license. The Bureau of Motor Vehicles decided to put an X on there. They did it by their rulemaking authority. And we found out about it. I was able to put a a stop to it by exercising a, a bit of authority I had in that area of rulemaking. But here's what was supposed to happen. They were going to put the X on the driver's license by rule. Didn't go through the legislature. Governor doesn't sign it. It just becomes. And so all of a sudden, you've created a third classification of human being in the state of Indiana. 
My position with the BMV was you don't have the authority, you don't have the ability under the law to create a third classification of human being. If the General Assembly wants to create a third classification of human being, vote on that, and then be judged by the, by the, by the uh, uh, constituents on whether or not that was appropriate, that's one thing. But you as an agency don't get to do that. Now you would think that they were doing that rather sneakily without any authority. Well, I can tell you that the executive branch was well aware of it because they could ease this into action without being accountable for it. Oh, I didn't sign that into law. I even tipped off one of the legislative leaders, one of the leaders in the, in the Indiana General uh, uh, Senate, thinking that this person didn't know about it. No, he knew about it. He knew about it, and again, it was, a, it was if the BMV does this, we get where we wanna be without having our hands on it. So I bring that up as an example of how this can work even in the schools. We say, well, there's no law. You don't need a law to get abused. You don't need a law to get this thing pushed in on you before you know it. And the next thing you know, it's the normal thing to do. Um, it, it's not even good grammar when you're talking about the pronouns. Uh, you're talking about one person, and you're saying them and there, and I get confused about this stuff. This is where we have to stand up. And I want to comment about something else that you said. You're absolutely right about it's not all teachers. Uh, it's, it, it's not all schools. Um, we here are all for uh, teachers having academic freedom. Teachers need to be able to teach and do what they were trained to do and participate. I can tell you, I'm married to a teacher. And teaching has changed dramatically from the time that she began as a young teacher to where it is today in terms of her responsibilities. She spends so much time with the rules and the arcane areas that, that are forced upon us through, uh, through the uh, State Association or the, uh, uh, the Department of Education. So much of what we're talking about, in my view, is helpful to get teachers where they need to be, back in the classroom, focusing on academics, focusing on teaching the children um, the areas in which they were concentrating on, and not all of these other areas that are best left to responsible parenting. I would just follow that up to say, I don't know how many of you in the audience are teachers, but I just wanna say thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of this conversation and letting us enlighten you on what we're seeing from a bigger scale. So I will, I will just say this, that when our schools were trained by this radical from San Diego through the hatching results, they were trained on those position statements and how to force the pronoun usage, the transgender bathrooms, the ideology into the schools. And it is coming back door. It's not coming through legislation. It's coming through Curtis's right. It's coming through the back door. And I was on the phone last night with a teacher friend, because I do have a few of those, and she was explaining to me, she's leaving at the end of the school year, and she was explaining to me there's another teacher friend of hers who was told in a meeting that she is required to use the pronouns. If a student wants to be referred to by their pronoun, she doesn't have a choice. She is going to do it. She has chosen to walk away at the end of the school year. So we are losing some good teachers because of this agenda that comes down from a bunch of different entities, the Indiana Department of Education, the teachers unions, the school board association, the superintendents association. They're all involved in pushing this agenda through, the, through whatever avenues they can. And I just 
you need to know that this radical also is an author. And she wrote one of the books that I read was um, Pilots, Passengers, Prisoners, and Hijackers. And she did train our schools on it. I have the screenshots of when she was here for training. And that book takes the, the employees of the schools and divides them into four categories. Pilots, passengers, prisoners, and hijackers. The pilots take charge. They know the mission. They know where they're going, right? They have the direction, and they will, they will take charge and get the job done. The passengers are along for the ride. They'll buckle up. They'll do what they're told, fasten their seatbelts, stay seated, right? And then you've got prisoners. And I know many of my teacher friends feel like they're, they're caught in the system, and they don't know what to do. And they're just writing it out, hope, hoping that they can make it to retirement, right? And then you have the hijackers. And I also know, Micah and I both know, a teacher that was considered a hijacker. In fact, two teachers that were considered hijackers. Um, and they were forced, and they were being bullied by the school itself. They were being bullied into compliance and told to resign or be fired. So it is happening. Teachers are being targeted, and they are being forced to comply with this agenda backdoor outside of legislation. And kind of to your point, like it's not happening in places like Leo. And, and I'm thankful for that. I love driving into Leo because I live down in Hamilton County, which is like, you know, going woker than woke could ever be. And, and but that's Indiana. I mean, we're central Indiana. It, you know, that's where I live. Central Indiana. This is not New York. This is not California. It's only a matter of time before it takes over Leo. I mean, it's only a matter of time before this is like. You know, I, I don't know if you guys are Lord of the Rings fans or whatnot, so excuse me if you're not. But, you know, when the, the hobbits were just in the Shire and they were just like, oh, it's never going to come here. This evil. Yeah, that evil's way out there. And we're not going to we're just going to stay living in peace. We're just going to be Switzerland. Right. No, at some point, the war is going to find you and you don't want to be caught defenseless. And, and, and if you can head it off before it gets to Leo, that's what we're asking. You know, on, on behalf of you know, Hamilton County, fight it up here, please. Like send your legislators down to help us fight because if not, then you will have to fight. And it was only a matter of time. This is not a, this is not, a, it's going to go away. This is coming until we stop it. Don't be, don't be uh, the Neville Chamberlains of 1930s. Be the Winston Churchills who finally stood up and said to Hitler, enough's enough. And we're not going to, we're not going to go along with this anymore. So I would just piggyback off of what Micah said with Hamilton Southeastern Schools. So on top of the Lilly money, grant money, because there's a lot of money that pushes this agenda. So then there was a Project AWARE funding and grant money that came in, okay? So there are 10 pilot schools across the state that have gotten this Project AWARE funding, grant money, that take it to the next level. And Hamilton Southeastern is one of the pilot schools, and they're... A mess. He's not kidding. They're I mean, it's like you got kids identifying as furries, as boys one day, girls the next day. You got teachers affirming them. There was a Hamilton Southeastern teacher that was that was identifying as a furry. They brought a litter box into the classroom for for students that wanted to use the litter box. I mean, this is nuts. I'm, I'm not joking. This is like it's absolutely nuts. And this is, this is not only going on here, but it's going on across the country. I've heard of other states have the same problem. But the thing is, you guys need to know, Hamilton Southeastern is to be the pilot, and they're supposed to uh, be training the rest of our schools who haven't implemented this yet in less than two years. In fact, we're probably a year and a half away. And every school in the country or the state is supposed to look like Hamilton Southeastern. I don't want my district to look like that. That's a mess. Could I add on to yeah. the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, please do. That's I'm a, amazing. I'm, I'm a movie guy. <laughs> and I've used this example in similar talks after we screened the mind polluters. 
there's a, another famous scene in the Lord of the Rings where one of the kings is pondering what to do about the army that's advancing. And he says, I will not risk open war. And Aragon looks at him and says, open war is upon you whether you would risk it or not. Yeah. And I always think of that. I, the, there's so many people that when we talk to them and they see a film like The Mind Polluters or they come to events like this and it, they hear it and they go, yep, yep. And then they walk away and go, but I'm not going to deal with that. And I understand because it's overwhelming and you don't know what to do, but that's the point of groups like this. And you've got a, a fantastic uh, panel of people here who are excellent resources. You have to deal with this. This is coming. It's like, it, it's like being in Ukraine two weeks ago, right? And saying, well... Yep, I know that the Russians are on the border, but it's not going to happen. I'm going to go get coffee. Yes, it's coming. They are coming. This is coming. It's going to come to Leo sooner than you know. So so what um, you're saying is we need to be the Gandalfs when we stand at the bridge and say, you shall not pass. Exactly. Now, anyone? Come on. There's nobody here than those Lord of the Rings. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> so, Ron, I did want to follow up on you were asking. And there's plenty of teachers in the audience, both active and retired. And we do want to partner with our teachers. And something, Dr. Scare, you said is, you know, kind of in the, along the lines, are schools salvageable? I know we have uh, private schools. We have Christian schools struggling with some of these things, too. So it's not just a public school problem. But I do want to recognize the teachers in the room, and I won't point each one of you out. And I've got a large number of family members that are teachers also. And so we do want to give them another round of applause and let them know that we are there for those teachers. So. I like to, I like to say something on that because um, John Klug, we know he taught uh, music down in Brownsburg and he was the first one that I know that was fired for not using the pronouns. And he agreed to use the last names he tried to accommodate in every way that he could, but it didn't matter. And the two things strike me. One is I didn't know where all the other teachers were. And if there is a teacher's union, there should also be a union of sane-minded teachers. We'll either hang separately, you know, or we'll either hang together or we'll hang separately. And I see when a person is under fire you got to rally to his side. And that means the churches have to get together. I don't know. You know, when I look at Jack Phillips, the baker who's been under fire for all these years, I was like, where are the pastors here? Where are the churches? Why aren't we gathering together in prayer? Uh, you know, there is great strength in numbers. And it's easy to fire one teacher. It's not as easy to fire 10 or 20 or more when they are gathered together. And so I'm glad you're gathered together here. And the other thing is this is it's not enough in a brochure from a candidate to say, oh, I'm against critical race theory. If he can't articulate the position and doesn't articulate it and doesn't speak about it publicly, the same thing with saying pro-life. It means nothing if you're not actually speaking about it publicly where, where you might actually have to be confronted. So you get a couple guys like this. You get Curtis Hill. I mean, he's a gem. And you got Dr. Tyler Johnson I mean, we need to multiply this by dozens, but this is the way to go. It's not just enough to check your box, as Curtis says. I would just add, when it comes to the schools, I, I always go back to 
the communist goals. Peter talked about Marxism. We've all just that from a perspective or whatnot. But until you understand the 45 communist goals, 20 of them deal with education, family, mental health, and the church. And one in particular, number 41, talks about how they have to separate the child from the parents for their prejudices, their bias, and the retarding of their children. And I'm telling you, we are on the precipice of that happening right now. Because I have, we watched things happen at the State House this year that were not good. Um, they were trying to implement parental rights violations through some of these legislations that they were trying to pass. And I got an email just the other night from a colleague of mine in Colorado, because if you're not paying attention to the community schools that Senator Ford authored a resolution for, you need to be. Those are communist community schools, okay? And Senator Ford, just so you know, he's the senator in the Carmel, Indiana district, central Indiana. So that's, we're talking about Indiana. Sorry, I didn't want to. Right, yeah. and Senator Ford, just so you know, off, off a conservative, a very strong conservative, Mike Delph, okay? He's a homosexual and they put him on the education committee for a reason. Okay, he authored this community schools resolution that's basically communism. And they are, they are already in different states violating parental rights and sending children for services without parental knowledge or consent. And it is going to happen here. If we don't watch and we don't protect our authority as parents, it will happen here without a doubt. So I always tell people, you have to go back to these 45 communist goals and read them and understand what we are really dealing with. Because it's not just in our community. It's not just in the state. Our, our nation has been under attack. You know, there's a, uh, we're in another revolution for our nation. And you know, I'm a big American history buff and, and uh, back in the, in the revolutionary day, in the war, revolutionary war days, there was a movement called the Black Robe Regiment. And it was pastors who were standing up and leading their congregations in what was truth and how to stand against tyranny and despots like King George and what he was doing to, the, to those in the colonies. And, and it really, many scholars believe that we would not have won the Revolutionary War if it wasn't for the churches being engaged. And so as the church, you're in a church right now, many of you probably are members of a church, you have got to engage. You can't be sitting on the sidelines and just thinking, well, I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm just going to be in heaven someday because the Lord is going to hold you accountable for the stewardship of your nation. Just like, he, just like he, he's giving you your family, you can't just say, oh, I'm, a family, I'm in the family of God, so I'm going to neglect my kids and my wife or my husband. No, he's given you this, this precious thing called family. He's given you the institution of the church, and he's given you the institution of government. And thankfully, in the United States, we the people are the government, and we, we decide where we're going to go. But if the church stays on the sideline the way that I have seen it staying on the sideline for the last 50 years— then we might as well just pack it up and go home. So you've got, yeah, yeah. You've got to get your pastors involved. You've got to get the churches involved. There's a question, I think, probably on, on that note. <laughs> I think just a moment ago, you mentioned Mike Delft's name in the course of, carry, of talking about a story about uh, homosexual. I don't think you meant to suggest that Mike Delft is no, homosexual. No, 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 no. J.D. Ford is homosexual. Yeah. He yeah, beat Mike Delft. Yeah. Who was uh, yeah? Sorry if you was, Curtis. If Curtis leaned way. over and said the same thing to me. He's like, "Mike's not a homosexual." Sorry, I must not have worded that right. Yeah. 
Oh, thank no, you no, for no, the no. clarification. <laughs> Mike's a nice I would, guy. Mike's I would a good just, guy. I would just say, though, um, I am so thankful for Micah and for Peter being up here because they are leading the way. And it is, it is encouraging to see some pastors stepping out and leading in the way that they are. But you have to understand that when these Marxists came, they started infiltrating our churches. And that, again, is part of the communist agenda, is to infiltrate the churches. So many of them have already been infiltrated, and they're teaching CRT from the pulpit. And so that's very alarming to see. And people are leaving those churches in droves, and they're going to seek out churches like Micah's. And do you know why, Just and then we'll get to this question here, but do you know why the Marxist movement has to get rid of the church? It's because Marxism says worship the government. There is no God-fearing Jesus follower that is ever going to bow their knee to any government. We will bow our knee only to, only to Jesus. We will do what he says is right. And Marxists know this. If they cannot destroy our worship of God, we will never be able to replace it with government. And that's their agenda. Their agenda is to make government God. So when government speaks, we do exactly as government says. If, they, if the church in America stays strong, Marxism will never happen in this land. Uh, yeah, I got a couple questions. My first one, I think, might be for uh, the doctor here. Um, I'm a teacher, and whenever we learn about anything, we look at multiple perspectives and viewpoints. I look at this panel, a bunch of smart people. They all come from some different backgrounds. I see one viewpoint. We're talking about gays, transgenders, public education. I don't see any public school teachers on this panel. I don't see anyone who is transgender. I don't see anyone who is gay. So, what's so your, my question yeah. is, why do we only have one viewpoint on this panel tonight? Well, I think the, I think what we're what we're here is this is the this is a conservative movement. I mean, we we go back to where we want to make sure. Yeah, we want to make sure that we, we hold we? true to American principles. So I guess what's your question when it comes to like, what what are you saying you want? It's only going to be a good panel if we have gay people up here. Is that what you're saying? No. Where, where, I'm asked, where is the Christian perspective in the public schools? All over the place. So great. Oh, where? Because I, I got teachers, teachers who get fired. I got teachers who get, have, get they, fired. Thank you for being there. Yep. I am a teacher. I'm a Christian. Well, thank you for being here. Hold on just a second. I'm I'll give you a chance. Thank you. Hold on one second. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Yeah, keep going. So I want, I'm, I want to hear, that's what the whole point is. When we learn about anything, we look at multiple perspectives. I understand this is a conservative movement, but my point is how are you talking about these things, about what is happening in public education when nobody on this panel I assume nobody. I don't know if your wife was a public school teacher or where you. Okay, and oh, or if uh, your kids went through public schools or not, or if they were homeschooled. So can I ask you're one, teaching your can, religion? Can in I ask him a question schools? though, too? Just and again, I'm very respectful here, but how, I'm curious. How do you define right and wrong? That's that's my question. Like what? How do and, you? And what? Because right and wrong and anything. Male or female? Well, no, no. Just just yeah, just right and wrong. Like keep keep going. I'm curious. Kids matter. No one right. has said Everyone anything matters. positive about kids mattering up here. I don't care if your name's Sally or Susan. I don't care if it's Steve. I don't care what you want to be called. You know what? And we care about the eternity of those kids. Not so do I. Well, and I, I, I was having a conversation just like this, and a good. And that's a good question. I mean, those are good. I appreciate you being here. But I had a conversation with our superintendent at Noblesville, who was saying kind of the same thing. 
Um, and and she she said, Micah, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives within the within the school systems. Parents that some parents we've got a little girl named uh, Sally who wants to be met, called Matthew, and her parents she's in fourth grade, and her parents want to they say that's okay. So what do you? As you know, the, the head of the Beckwith household, why do you get to tell the parents that they can't do that? And I said, that's a great question, uh, Beth. Her name's Beth Niedemeyer. I said, that's a great question. But can I, ask a, can, I, can I ask you a question? If in the Beckwith household, we determine that two plus two equals five, and I send my child into the Noblesville Public Schools, and I want every teacher to affirm our household stance on two plus two equaling five. And if any teacher ever teaches my son that two plus two equals four, we're going to sue the schools, and we're going to throw a stink, and we're going to come for your jobs. I said, what would you say to me if I, if I said that? And she said, well, Micah, that's math. And I said, all due respect, the, the sex is biology. Gender is biology. That's science. And so I guess my, to my question to her was, how do you define right and wrong? Because if, if you can say so everyone gets to make up their own absolute truth, then I can, I can have two plus two equals five, and I, I should never be docked on a test for saying two plus two equals five. And I can be 35. And yeah, and he can be 35. So I guess to your, I would love to hear, a que- how do you define right and wrong? Someone has to define it. Look, my point is you guys are missing other voices. You should have had Senator J.D. Ford, the homosexual that... I've talked to him many times. So (laughs) So do I. He's a good friend of mine. One of my favorite pictures in my house. As soon as we can come into the public schools and talk openly about Jesus Christ, then we can talk about having equal voices. You get them five days a week. You get them five days a week. I I do want to follow up a little Where's bit. Where's our voices? You, you asked me that initially. And so can we do public education without these divisive topics and these kind of things creeping in there? So how do we have that conversation without that overwhelming theme? Because I'll tell you, part of this whole process for me was hearing from parents, hearing from, you know, public educators who were concerned about this. And I did, I did invite a few people I knew personally, right? And so it, it's not that I didn't invite anybody but I, I don't know that I could have went way outside of that. So I don't, I don't know some of you personally, but um, I guess that's my question is how do we, can we do public education without, you know, teaching some of these things to five-year-olds or even, you know, having some of the divisive topics in schools? I don't know how to fully respond to that as, as far as five-year-olds. I teach high school kids, so I can't respond to your things about what do I say to a fourth grader who says so-and-so because I don't teach fourth graders. I don't teach five-year-olds. Uh, I do teach kids. I teach ninth and tenth graders, so I teach a lot of kids that have a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, and they don't know what's going on with a lot of things. And guess what? Neither do I, but I teach all kids. I teach at a public school. In public schools, we accept all kids, unlike Concordia, which can pick and choose which kids they want to take, which can decide if they want to educate certain children, which can decide what sort of tenets they actually want to teach, which unlike public schools, we do not teach any hateful tenets. We don't teach any racist tenets or any critical race theory. Well, you've, you've moved away from traditional academics, reading, writing, and arithmetic, to a therapeutic education with social emotional learning. You just got done saying it's all about feelings. It's not, there is truth. What are you teaching these kids? It's not all about feelings. I said truth. kids have feelings. And, and you teach high school kids. So when these kids grow up, 
prime example. These kids grow up and they find later, later, everybody lied to me. These kids who are confused and they're transgender, since, since that's what you, you want to defend, all Absolutely. These, I will defend any student. That, that's fine. Every student that, that walks through my door, whether on, or not I understand where they're coming them from. The truth. That, that's on you. Because what, what happens when this child finally ages and comes out of this dysphoria and they look back on their life and their schooling and they say, no, no one told me the truth. This teacher didn't tell me the truth. This teacher didn't tell me the truth. How do those kids feel now? How do they feel when they know that they've been lied to their entire lives? What are you? There is absolute truth. There is male and there is female. You cannot get around that. So I'm not shy about talking about my feelings. I'm not shy about talking about uh, condoms like Rhonda is shy. She said we were going to talk about some there, weird there's, things. Who, who's she no, talks about condoms more than anybody I know. So I, like, <laughs> it was news to me. So I, was, I, was, I got to no, I was referring to the people in the audience. It's probably uncomfortable because a lot of times it is wherever we're at. I'm not uncomfortable yeah. about it. I've been at this 10 years. I'm not afraid to talk about that stuff. My point is I'm not afraid to have hard conversations, appropriate conversations, and not maybe not every conversation is How do you decide what's appropriate? It just depends on the circumstance. You said something earlier. You said that you'll defend your students. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but, but statistically, transgender students are 40% more likely to commit suicide. And Which I don't, is all the more reason they need all the support they can get. Or, You're but, lying but are you to think, them. I guess I would see it as, hey, have we allowed them to go into a lane that they shouldn't be in? And have we kind of pushed them down a, a path of saying, hey, just yeah, go, you go be you. And we're pushing them off of a cliff. I mean... Meanwhile, dragging all the other kids, it will ride along with them. And, and I, again, I, I, I appreciate your, your, I appreciate you being here. And these are good. This is a great conversation because this, at, this absolutely needs to happen. And I wish if we would have known about you, we would have invited you on the panel before I we got here. I would have jumped at the chance. I invited <laughs> myself already. I think it would be great. You're kind of on the panel. So get this guy a name tag. Why isn't, why isn't he? Even? <laughs> uh, so I do have a couple more things to say. Then I'll give the microphone up so someone else can ask their question. Uh, but I was accused just now of being a liar by Amber, so I need to point out some lies that were spoken tonight. Uh, Rhonda Miller was talking about a resolution that was passed um, about community public schools, and I just want to point out that resolution was passed unanimously in the Senate, so everybody voted for that resolution about community schools. Uh, she so also. What was the lie? I said it passed. Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe you didn't give them enough information. You, I felt like you were withholding information. Something passed unanimously, so everybody supported it. Okay, fair enough. Doesn't mean it's right. Uh, my next point, the thing about the litter box, I just opened my phone because I can type things into Google, and it found that to be completely untrue and false, and people just shared that on Facebook. No, there's actually a family that goes to HSC who said that was what happened in okay. their school. So I heard it right from the source of right. a student that was in there. So I don't know if Google or Facebook, I mean, he could, it could be Mark Zuckerberg, you know, kind of doing his thing and suppressing misinformation. But. And going back to my question about who's on the panel, there's a lot of questions about uh, sexuality and things. I just found it interesting that there was someone on this panel that was found guilty by the Indiana Supreme Court of clear and convincing evidence that they had committed misdemeanor battery 
in regards to sexual harassment allegations. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you just, you just ruined yeah. your whole argument. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Can I, can I just say something real quick? Sure. Um, I want to read goal number 26. Present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. That is a communist goal. Would you consider yourself a communist? I'm just curious. Well, you're doing what they, they said they're going to do 50 years ago. So, In- <laughs> okay. If you're presenting it and you're affirming okay. it, you're advocating for it, you're presenting it. You have somebody else that uh, yeah, Tyler, go ahead. Can I, yeah. can I point out that the interesting thing is that when the left comes out, they start with personal attacks, personal attacks, personal attacks. Your fact-based attacks were both debunked. I want to challenge you on this. No, that's false. I want to challenge you on this. No, that's false. Okay, I'll go to a personal attack. Pathetic. Tyler, do you have a question back there? Yes, I've got a question. Thank you. It's not so much a question. Um, I'm a licensed mental health counselor, and I do not understand why schools are attempting to do my job. I do not know how to teach. in a public school setting. I do not tell teachers how to teach in a public school setting, but gender dysphoria is a mental health condition that requires very careful care. The rate of suicide is higher. However, over 80% of kids that do not receive hormone therapy or any kind of surgery desist, meaning by time they're 18, they identify with their biological sex. And so how we treat this is very, very important. And I have grave concerns about schools attempting to take over that ground when even I had to do special education around how to tackle this subject. And so affirmation is not therapy. Exploratory therapy is what is therapy, meaning there are so many comorbidities that go alongside gender dysphoria, eating disorders, depression, anxiety disorders, personality disorders, trauma. If we don't address all of these things, we are failing children. Thank you guys so much for listening in to part two of this panel discussion we had recently here in Indiana. And if you are in Indiana, in and around the Fort Wayne area, there is a screening of the Mind Polluters coming up March 25th at Concordia Theological Seminary at Sealer Hall. Again, that's March 25th, 6 p.m. at Sealer Hall, Concordia Theological Seminary. You can find out more by visiting themindpolluters.com. Because you're going to need to look at the map. Yes. Probably to find Sealer Hall. Yes. (laughs) There there will be signs, but... There should be signs, but you're going to want to look at the map. Right. So thank you. You guys have a wonderfully blessed week. We will talk to you again next Tuesday. Tuesday.